Welcome to the media ministry of Crossroads Church Aspen. To learn more about Crossroads, visit our website at ccaspen.com. Everybody online as well as uh, everybody here. And if you're here for the season, off-season, whatever it is, welcome to Crossroads. I met a few of you. Um, some folks have moved to town and everything. Thanks for uh, coming to worship with us and keep us posted. Let us know how we can help you get settled. Any questions you have about being new to town? And uh, we really want to come alongside you and help you get kind of connected to the church family here. Um, lots going on. The guys are still in Fruta. Wonderful time. There every year, Andy Poole does a great job leading Engage, which is just a time for men to get away and uh, connect with one another, have some fun um, riding bikes and everything. So uh, let us know. We'd love to let you know everything going on and help get you connected right into hopefully a smaller gathering where we can uh, grow in a relationship together. All right. Uh, how's everybody doing? Everybody ready for that cloudy stuff to go away? Like I think all of us ready for a little spring and sun for sure. Um, it'll come. It's coming. But... Um, if you are just joining us, we uh, are in this series, Not Just Human. have been there a little while. We have a few more weeks. We'll finish this, and when we go to two services in June, we'll launch into a new series for the summer. Um, but we're uh, going to finish this series. We're in the book of Romans, and we're looking at chapters 6, 7, and 8. And we've made it through chapter 6. Uh, this morning, we're going to jump into chapter 7 of Romans. Now... Um, this is some of the, the most detailed, deep language you have in all of Scripture when it comes to the spiritual dynamic. How is the gospel, how does the Holy Spirit actually change us? What's going on right inside us? And that's what we're diving into. Uh, we're going to just kick off chapter 7. If you have your Bibles this morning, uh, I'm going to just dive right in and uh, get into this. We're going to look at just the first six verses of chapter 7. Um, we're going to spend three weeks in chapter 7. Let me encourage you to, uh, to go and to just follow along with this. Read, just pick it up. I'd start in chapter 5, actually. 5, 6, 7, and 8. It's kind of this contained unit all fitting together. And just read through that right, throughout the week, um, preparing your heart as you come here. Um, and great to, uh, to, after Sunday, to go out and engage. We just encourage you to continue the conversation, whether it's in your small group, over lunch, over a coffee. Uh, our doors are always open if you just like, well, I want to I know more about that. We should be a people of the word and engaging with one another on a more regular basis, right? And with how's the word uh, impacting us? Is this just religion? Are we just gaining some head knowledge? Or is there, and we're going to talk about it this morning, a move right into this whole radical new way of living by the Spirit of God. And if anything, I, I, I want you to get a hold of and hope to encourage you with this morning, it is the glory of the gospel of Jesus. It's more than just having your sins forgiven. He has saved you when He comes, when you experience the reality of who Jesus is. He brings you into a whole new way of life. You come alive. Your soul, your spirit comes alive with the Spirit of God and begin this incredible experience, life, living. It is a real experience. It's not just an intellectual gaining knowledge about what the Bible says and knowing about God. It is this incredible journey of knowing God and knowing that you are His. 
He saved you. He redeemed you to belong to him. And we're going to look at that issue. I'm just going to share some things in my own journey a little bit along the way. But to get us in this morning, we're talking about this new way of the Spirit. Chapter verse 6, we'll get to it here um, in the book of Romans. And Paul says, look, it's, it's we, are, we are not serving in the old way of the law any longer, right? The whole Old Testament and we're going to talk about legalism. We're going to talk about hypocrisy um, and just the deadness and, and the futility of thinking we can make ourselves righteous by just obeying, trying to do certain things. The law never brings life to anyone. Spiritual practice never brings life, never saves anyone. And this is Paul's overarching message of the book of Romans is this incredible new thing of the gospel is that we are saved by faith alone. And it's faith in Jesus, what he's done on the cross, his death, his resurrection that actually brings life, that justifies us, that makes us righteous before God. Nothing you can do, nothing I can do can bring that blessing except what Jesus has done for us. And we receive that. Right, by faith and learn now, right, to walk in the newness of life. And it's life, the new way is the way of the Spirit, who Jesus and the Father poured out, right, into our hearts if you know Him. And the test of whether someone's a believer or not is what Paul says, we'll get to it in chapter 8, is asking the question to the church Is Christ, is the Holy Spirit inside you? Do you know it? The question, unfortunately, is not what you believe. It's not whether you believe the Apostles' Creed. This is how a lot of us grew up. Do you believe this? Hmm? The Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, I don't know, whatever you grew up in, or in my tradition, did you walk the aisle? Did you say the prayer? Did you invite Jesus into your heart? You know what? That is, we'll find any of that in the Scripture. Paul says this to the church. Is the Spirit of God inside you? Who represents Jesus? Do you know Him? And are you absolutely sure the Holy Spirit resides inside you as a gracious gift by your faith of believing Jesus is who he says he was, that he went to the cross for this world. And he died on that cross, right, to make the final payment. Went to the grave, he was raised, defeated the power of sin and death so that we could live eternally with him. Do you have the Spirit of God inside you? So, let's dive in. We're going to talk um, in these few verses, folks, about the freedom from legalistic Christianity, which lends itself to hypocritical Christianity. Um, And where I want to start is I want to jump ahead to just the last part of Romans 7.25. What Paul does... In seven, and look, this is this. If you're kind of new to all this, hang with us here. Dive in, read these chapters, ask questions, get with us, sit down, and let's wrestle this out. This is absolutely critical for bringing life and letting God move inside us. And Paul's on this journey. He was the Pharisee of Pharisees. He even says that he obeyed the law perfectly, almost right. Hebrew of Hebrews. In chapter 7, he's describing this, this idea of serving. He loves the law, right? But his own, he finds this principle inside him that is waging war with his love of the law. He knows what he needs to do to obey God, but he finds this other principle inside him that is just beating him up. Anybody relate? 
beating him up where he can't. No matter what he does, no matter how disciplined he is, no matter how obedient he tries to be, no matter how religious he tries to be, he's just getting the tar beat out of him and he is continually sinning and finding himself not able to do the very thing he desires to do. And, uh, and so this is where he ends and summarizes the end of chapter 7. We'll get here in a couple weeks. He says this, So then I, I myself, I serve the law of God with my mind. I, I read it. I love it. I know it's right. I know the law is right. But with my flesh, I serve the law of sin. There's this principle inside me that, man, it wants to, it wants to please my flesh. It wants to lust. It wants to be prideful. It wants to be selfish. Just go down the list of things. Anybody relate to that? Now, folks, here's a critical spiritual principle. If I can't relate to that, I'm nowhere close to seeking God. If I can't relate to that, I'm nowhere anywhere close in the galaxy being honest with my soul and the reality of what's going on with me, right? Now, let's just step back because he's speaking as somebody who knows the law of God, who knows the Bible, right? Um, But this can be applied to anyone. Even if you don't know anything about the Bible, the principle, right, should still stand if I'm honest with my life and I look at things and I go, what is righteousness? What do I want to do that is good, right? And and just as we're going to see this morning, Paul even gives this larger, the law in general, out there and understanding that, wow. So let's just put aside God's law for a minute. Let's just talk about the law of the land. The same principle holds, does it not? Do you not find something that, and we use this illustration all the time, but we could use several others, but you see the speed limit sign. You know what it says. You know that that's right. We voted on that. That's the law of the land. We know that there's punishment for going over it, Right? But we also have a little fudge room in there, and no matter how hard we try, I've never met anybody who's been able to drive 55 and never go over, right? And never go over. That's a simple illustration, but let's go a little deeper. It is a great illustration just to see this dynamic that's going on inside us. I see the sign, but something inside me says, man, this is, this is like I'm crawling. I want to go faster. I'm in a hurry. But there's the law. It's telling me, no, it's 55. I know, it's the be- I know we've put that in there, right? Because it keeps people safe. I don't want my kids out there driving. I don't want people driving 90, right? So I get it, the law. But there's this principle in me that wants to break it. That's good for everybody else, but I'm in a hurry, right? Um, so in other words, even if I don't know anything about the Bible, the, the law, then I at least... Um, should start to, part of moving somebody towards God is this restlessness of, man, life's just not going right. I'm not able to, to, to think, right, and, and, and uh, about things properly. I'm overwhelmed by worry, anxiety, go through all the stuff that's going on right now, right? Um, uh-oh. Um, and, uh, man, I just can't, I, I can't seem to think right. So it's not just my actions, it's my thoughts even. I'm not able to do the very thing I want to do. And folks, this is a principle that I think we spend so little time thinking about. Let's start with the church and we'll jump out, the larger picture. But the role of the law in our life. 
And for a Christian to grow, for us to lay hold of this whole new way of life that God has called us into by the power of the Holy Spirit, I have to understand the role of the law in my life and I have to get really honest with, wow, this battle of, of, of being able to not really obey it or do the right thing, right? And, um, and even if someone is, again, as I said, outside the law, the same principle holds. This is what moves me to God is, man, I, 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 there's, I'm missing something. I just don't have the joy. I don't have a vision for what I, I should become. And, and uh, I find myself locked in addiction and thinking things, doing things that, man, I know they're not what I want to do, but I can't break out of them. Right? Now, folks, that covers every one of our experiences. And again, as I said, if I can't be honest with that struggle in my life about doing the very thing I don't want to do, agreeing with the text, but at the same time, oh, right? I find myself, what? A lawbreaker in bondage to the law. I, I, no matter what kind of steps, and what do we do? And here's where I'm going this morning. Is that unfortunately, the church and every one of us has experienced, probably in one way or another, a legalistic, even which moves to a hypocritical teaching and just culture inside a church that says to us, just do this, take this class, read the Bible more, remember to read it, listen to me, take these steps. This is how you're going to get free. This is how we're going to fix the problem. Now, folks, here's the amazing, glorious thing of the gospel. He set us free from the law. To belong to another, to Jesus, who through the Spirit will teach you to live a level of freedom not bound to that law any longer, so that, as we'll get to in chapter 8, you can actually live in righteousness. Because it's the Spirit of God that leads you because of who you are to obedience, not out of this wrestle with the law itself. Um, It is something I think that we we so desperately need to have a, a renewal. And when revival comes and renewal comes, it begins with a renewal, a repentance, and a recovery of the glory of the gospel of what Jesus... It's back to the basics. It's back to recovering. Oh, wow! What God has done and, and a setting aside of all of our junk, all the additions to the gospel right, that we think are going to help right, set us free. And so that, this morning, is where I want to take us on this little journey. And um, I want to just take us one place before I read. Um, Actually, two places. So here's just the outline, if you want to know where we're going. The first six verses, this is where Paul deals with legalistic Christianity. The view of the law is it still stands. They, is that cre- and, and this is not just the Old Testament. This is not just Pharisees. This is tragically much of church history that has not been set free from the law but has actually uh, pro- uh, promoted right, a Christianity that's still very much under the law. right? And the to-do. Rather than leading people to a relational dependence on the Holy Spirit to a freedom that Jesus and only Jesus can bring. 
So we're going to talk about this morning. Next, we're going to talk about progressive Christianity. And then Paul moves into the opposite of that, you know, where people say, well, then the law is sin, then the law is a problem. Let's just chuck it. And that's technically called antinomianism. We'll talk about that. It's a good word to understand. It means basically anti-nome, law, get rid of the law, right? And, And that is not what Paul says either. Right? It's not getting rid of the law. Jesus came to fulfill the law. Um, and uh, a, a little side note, a little deep dive here. Um, and if you want to know more about this, let's talk. But I think it's important when we talk about law, especially in Romans, to understand what we're talking about. And it's, we're not talking about all the Old Testament civil and ceremonial laws that God gave Israel. Okay? And all the feasts, all the details you see, Jesus came and he fulfilled the law. This is the Sermon on the Mount. right? But none of it will pass away. But the fulfillment is, if you're in Jesus, if you know Jesus, he fulfilled it for you. The law we're talking about is the moral law. So the civil ceremonial laws, all those crazy stuff we read about, right? Even when we think about the Sabbath, the fourth commandment, are you free? How do you view this Sabbath? Because we have whole denominations that still hold over the people. You must have church on Saturday. It's the Sabbath. It's a commandment. How do you view the Sabbath? Right, we get the rest of them. Have no other gods before me. No adultery. No murder. Right? Those are all at the heart of God. The Sabbath focuses about the rest of God. The book, the New Testament says Jesus, basically, he is our rest. If you enter into a relationship with Jesus, he's fulfilled the Sabbath for you, the rest. Hebrews tells us, you have entered the rest. You're free from all of the right festivals and everything. Now, can we do those things as disciplines? Sure, but be careful. Be careful you don't put yourself under the law. Many denominations, right? And today, there's nothing new. All these letters, Galatians, are speaking to the church that had, because of the Judaizers, put them back under the law again, right? So they had to start fulfilling all these things. Um, you know, that they're free from. The law he's talking about is the moral law, the righteousness of God that is tied to the very character of who God is that never passes away. And we are righteous if we're in Jesus, And it's through the Spirit that we become righteous, right? Not through the law. Again, the law can never make, it can never bring life. It actually brings condemnation. It shows us the mark that we can never reach on our own. And that's kind of the part of the test of the Old Testament, right? Was we need a Savior. Who's going to help us? And this is what, back to what Paul said, this is what he, he said, man, I find I'm I'm wretched, man, I'm, I'm in this turmoil, right? I need a Savior. And we'll get to chapter 8, the radical shift that takes place. It's a whole new way, right, of living. And that's the final one, spirit-led Christianity. Um, that's where we need to go. That's, that's, that is what we should be teaching, unfortunately. And so back to progressive Christianity, it's when we chuck the law. And we just basically lose, <clears throat> slowly, the authority of God's word shifts. And we just kind of get real, so we embrace cheap grace, Right, and we lower right the standard according to culture, and Paul clearly speaks that's that's uh, that's not the answer either. Right, that's the other extreme. The answer is learn to be free and empowered by the Spirit of God in fellowship with God, knowing who you are, and you will move right into freedom. And so here's the line. 
hold on to this, think about it. The law says, do this and you will live. Sadly, folks, many of us grew up in a church that that was pretty much it. The gospel is absolutely the opposite. It says you live if you know Jesus. He's made you a new creation. He's put life in you, so do this. A radical reversal of the old way of living. The old way is on my own, right? I'm doing, I'm working, I'm religious, I'm doing the right thing, I'm trying my best, I'm doing some good things. I'm trying my best to obey the law, to please God, right? So that I can live. And sadly, folks, some of you, I think, have been taught that. We've all been in bondage to it, whether we know it or not. The glory of the gospel, what Jesus has done, has set you free from that turmoil. You live. You have eternal life if you know Jesus. If the Spirit of God is in you, you're alive. You are righteous in God's eyes because of Jesus covering over you. Now, because of that grace, now because of the glory of that, no longer be bound up like, oh, if I don't do this in this internal battle, but now lean in to the Spirit of God and watch what He will do in transforming your life into something so glorious and free and joyful, an avenue, a vessel, a life that is full, right, of the fruit of the Spirit of God. Does that make sense, gang? Does that make sense? Folks, it is radical, the thing that God and Jesus have done for us. And it is tragic to see how the church throughout the ages, we keep falling back into the old way. And folks, that's death, as we'll see in chapter 8. It's spiritual depression. It's powerlessness. The law can do nothing. All the disciplines you add. Now, don't get me wrong. There's spiritual disciplines and things we need to do. They can be beneficial, but oh, be careful. Be careful. Be careful that those disciplines don't put you back up here and that I'm doing, I'm doing, look at me, I'm doing good. Right? Even things that are good. We should be reading the Bible every day, but be careful. Just because you're reading the Bible every day means nothing ultimately about whether you know God or not. The question, is the Spirit of God involved? Do you know Him? And are you growing in your experience? I'm going to use that word, right? Because the Spirit is experience. It's not something I'm unaware of. It's a power, it's a presence, right? It's a conviction that is manifesting in my life, in my heart. It's not something I just kick back and, and is quiet. It's back in a dark closet. It is evident. And that's why Paul says, is the Spirit of God in your life? Is there evidence the fruit of the Spirit, the life of God, of the joy of God, the fruit of the Spirit, a hunger for God, a hunger for His Word, and are you learning to lead and walk, as Galatians says, in keeping in step with the Spirit of God so that the law does not bind you up again. And so religion and hypocritical Christianity, legalistic Christianity, doesn't bind you up again. All right? All right. Romans 7. Or do you not know, brothers and sisters? For I'm speaking to those who know the law. 
Now this section, the first three verses of chapter 7, he's speaking about law in general because this is the letter to the Romans. So it's the Jewish Christians, it's the Roman Christians, and it's the Romans who are pagan Romans. They believe in all kinds of gods. But the Roman Senate understood to have a polis, a healthy city, you have to have laws. So he's speaking in general now to people who understand the law. And he says this, For I'm speaking to those who know the law, that the law is binding on a person as long as he lives. Now he uses a marriage illustration. For a married woman is bound by the law to her husband while he lives. But if her husband dies, she's released from the law of marriage. Accordingly, she will be called an adulteress if she lives with another man while her husband is alive. But if her husband dies, she is free from the law. And if she marries another man, she is not an adulteress. Um, let's stop. Um, so, uh, I-, I want to uh, say a couple things. Um, Paul's using marriage here as an illustration that the law in general is binding on a person while they're alive, but if you die, no longer does that law hold. He is not giving a marriage seminar. This is really important. However, let me just say this, and this is really important, and I would just say if you're sitting here and immediately you heard those words and some condemnation or question or whatever it is came to you, I want to say a couple of things. This is not the totality of marriage teaching in the New Testament. Um, but this is the application of what we're talking about here this morning. If you have struggled in marriage, if divorce has taken place, if there's been a hard process in marriage... Oftentimes what the church has done and oftentimes what we do is we get, we get into the, all the marriage passages and we actually fall into the law and we move into a blame and shame situation. You did this so I can do this so this happens so we can get a divorce and blah, blah, blah. And that is the law. That's not applying the gospel to your marriage. The only thing that will bring about a vibrant... I'm going to do a little marriage teaching just because it's here. Will bring about a vibrant marriage as if it is gospel-centered. If both husband and wife understand the grace that's been given to them and, the, the, and because of that grace, because of that forgiveness has been given to them, they now are called to love each other that way. Now when tough times come and when things are so tough and out whatever reason it is and things break, the key is, is the gospel still being applied to that situation and carried out with grace and, and all those kind of things. That is the key. And um, oftentimes, sadly, in the church is that we move on, we fall under the law, it's a blame, shame, it's hurt, therefore this and that, rather than it is a time of repentance. Getting before the Lord and getting our own heart right with Him and then moving into dealing the gospel over the situation. Okay? And if you have more questions about that, we'd love to engage you on all of that, right? It is so easy, isn't it, to fall under the law, to go back to doing, right, rather than really staying upon the foundation of, wow, who I am, who I belong to, who I now need to please, 
rather than myself. And here we go. Likewise, Paul says, my brothers, you also have died to the law through, now he's, he's talking about, now he's moving more clearly into speaking strictly of the law of, of God, okay? You also have died to the law through the body of Christ. And remember, if you're with us, chapter 6, the previous chapter deals with this, is that if we have faith in Jesus, we're united with him in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. We've been transformed. We are no, we've been bought with the precious blood of Christ. We no longer belong to ourselves, but we belong to him. And if we're going to follow him, he says, the first requirement, deny yourself. No, I'm sorry, you cannot follow Jesus and still keep your own path. Deny yourself. Humility or pride is the thing that keeps, right, puts us at enmity with God. Deny ourselves. And he says this, we belong to Christ. He says, so that you may belong to another. To him, Jesus, who has been raised from the dead in order that we may bear fruit for God. For while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. And so what he's saying, look, man, when I was not in Christ, when I was trying to be all religious and everything, and we can fall back into this, right, is that, man, I was, man, my flesh, I was, I was in this battle, Right? With my life. And when Christ came, he set me free to belong to another. Not myself trying to will it out. But now, my spirit, my soul, my mind, my emotion, my heart, it belongs to him. And the spirit of God is within me that will empower me and transform me to Do these things because it's who I am. It's who I belong to. It's not me over here, right? Doing, doing, trying to find a life for myself, trying to, right, uh, make a name for us, trying to figure out my identity. I'm free from that. Jesus stamps you. You're a child of God. You belong to me. Every bit of you. First Corinthians says your body belongs to Him, your mind, your heart. It all belongs to Him. And folks, the key here, I, I think I was just going to share um, quickly that uh, one of the biggest, I mean, if I could write out my spiritual principles learned over the years, this is one of the top ones. Radical change happened in my life, and I have to keep coming back to it. When there was a shift in my thinking and in my move with God from um, trying to obey God to Learning to be his so I could obey him. I want you to sink in. Learning to be his. I belong to another. He's redeemed me. That's who I am. And folks, I, I don't think there's any, I can just tell you again, you can go out and get all the help, all the steps, all the books, podcasts, whatever it is, nothing will ultimately set you free. You will be, all of us will be bound in our movement towards trans- uh, transformation without this radical principle you begin and stand always upon. This is chapter 6, laying the foundation before getting this chapter is, you've got to understand who you are in Jesus. And any time you mess up, any time that we start to do things, I have to have a foundation of, 
I'm doing because I want to please you. I belong to you. And folks, it will transform your life. And this is why we need one another to keep encouraged is to come back. Hey, what does God say? Stop that thinking. That's not what God says about you. That's going to get you off. Right? Key principle. All right, here we go. Chapter, verse 6, last verse. But now we are released from the law. You're released. No longer this battle, this bondage. Having died to that which held us captive. Oh, the weightiness, the burden. Remember, Jesus talked to the Pharisees. He hammered him as the ones who burden, put a heavy burden on the people. You're released. The price has been paid. You have a Savior who loves you and has washed you clean. And an advocate who sits at the right hand of the Father, when I mess up again, man, I need to immediately, folks, here's, oh my gosh, there's no greater principle than when we mess up, right? The the reality of the Spirit in me is, what do I do immediately when when I mess up? Do I start beating myself up? Do I start believing lies? Or do I go straight to the cross? No, Lord, that's not who I am. That's not what I want to do. I stand before you. Wash me, cleanse me. First John says, immediately he washes you, makes you righteous in his eyes. Brings union right back to him. If I repent, in that moment, lay hold of the cross. Lord, guess what? The enemy now has nothing to... I'm covered. And I can quickly move on in freedom. But if I linger there, if I don't go straight to the cross, if I don't immediately recognize that's not who I was acting out of character, God, that's not who I am, help me. I repent. If I don't, if I linger, I'm going to fall back under the law, which brings what? Condemnation, shame, and guilt, and bondage and death. But listen to this. No longer does it hold you captive so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. Do you know what it is to serve in the new way? Do you realize how radical that statement is? Radical. This whole radical new life. New, it's the new life that goes with the new creation. Now I just asked you this morning. We could dive. And we're going to get deeper into this. I ask you. Are you experiencing that new life? Life is experience. It's not an intellectual you know, uh, doctrine that you... It is, but it's more than that. It's experience. It's not any good if it just remains a belief system in my head and I'm not experiencing the fruit of the truth of that. And so let me just take us here. This is Watchman Nee. If you haven't read his book, The Spiritual Man, it's a classic on spiritual formation. But listen to this. Carnal believers, legalistic Christians. Um, remember, uh, we hate labels, right? <laughs> but we can never get away from them. And the reality is, Paul uses labels all through the Bible. And his two favorites are a carnal believer and a spiritual believer. And he even tells the church, man, church, come on. You're acting carnal. You're not, which is fleshly. You are falling back under the law. Right? He even tells the Galatians, who's bewitched you? Who's put you under a spell so that you would fall back into that and away from embracing the Spirit and seeing miracles work among you? Experiencing the reality of the Spirit of God working among you. Right? Um. So carnal believers may be long on so-called spiritual knowledge, but usually short on experience. 
That's a legalistic Christian. We're all concerned about, hey, are you obeying the, are you doing the right thing? Are you doing the right thing? Are you doing the right thing? And I'm going to tell you, as a pastor, we have the whole thing, pastor, you know, PKs, the pastor kids that everybody thinks, oh man, they're going off. Why is that? Why is that? Why do we all have this, this terrible idea of a pastor's kid is going to go rebel? Why? It's simply because of this. It's simply because we are operating in money, Churches, spiritual leaders have fallen under the law, right? Um, and what those kids have heard is, don't do this, don't do that, right? This idea, and what they have not seen is the radical experience of the power of God in their house, in mom and dad, in their church. And I'm here to tell you, every one of us has probably experienced that environment. Whether it was in our home, right? Somebody was all about church, all about you got to do this, you got to do that. But where's the power? Where's the transformed life? Where's the love, the joy, the joy, the peace in your house with others? Without the experience of the Spirit, folks, guess what? We become legalistic and we become radically hypocritical. That's what a watching world hates. Man, look at that church. They're saying, do this or yelling at this and this, but I don't see any difference in how they live in their marriages. Their faithfulness there, their kids, the way they love each other in the church. Does this make sense? We need a renewal to a whole new way of living. It's radical, folks. It's experiential. And if you're struggling like I am, this is where the wake-up call is. All right, Lord, man, and I just ask you to evaluate everything you're doing. The Bible studies you're going to, your routine in the morning, um, Go down the list. What you talk about with your friends, your small groups, everything. Where's the power of God? Where's the presence of God? Because the elders are doing that right here. What's happening right here on Sunday morning? If it's just singing some songs, if it's just having a nice little Bible teaching, having some fellowship, serving one another, is that going to hack it? Is that what God wants? He says, I'm here among you. Who's got faith? Where's the radical transformation? Where's the radical deliverance? Do you realize that in the midst of God's people, all things are possible? Did you come with that idea this morning that, man, all things are possible? Let's just see what God does. With a childlike mentality, like one that expects to come and experience the presence of God in the midst of worship, the Word, and everything else. So what I want to do just in closing, Dirk, y'all come on up, is um, before we come to the table, I just want to pray a prayer over us. Um, this morning, um, and uh, and then I'm going to lead us in a prayer for others we know, um, because it might be some of us sitting here. But what I know for sure is every single one of us here um, has experienced legalistic, hypocritical Christianity, and every one of us has been tempted by it and have been drawn into it. And we're just going to ask the Lord to set us free, and then we're going to ask the Lord. Who are the people that you know, that we all know right now, who are bound up and because of whether it's abuse, whether it's because of that hypocritical Christianity, uh, they don't go to church any longer? They don't engage the word any longer? And they're wandering. And folks, for a, a, and we've all wandered, haven't we? And what wandering is, is I, I bought the temptation that I'm no longer his. I'm an orphan. 
I'm going to go do my own thing. I'm no longer going to deny myself and do what he says. I'm going to go do my own thing. And that's a dangerous place to be. Right? But God will bring us back. So Father, we just come now in the name of Jesus. And Father, I pray for each one of us. A renewal, God. A renewal that we're your child. First and foremost, Lord Jesus, you saved us, redeemed us. You made us righteous because of what you did, because of your righteousness, not because of our doing, not because of our religion. And Lord, we just rejoice in that. And Father, I pray a blessing over each of us, over our church. May you shore up this morning that identity, who we are. We belong to you. And Father, I pray for every one of us, Lord, when we're out there struggling, that we would just always stand on that truth. We belong to you. We belong to you. We belong to you. And that means that we are heirs of all of your promises. All of them. And that we have the Spirit of God living inside us. And Lord, um, forgive us. Because Lord, Lord, I I know that I, I have let out with legalistic Christianity. Just the words without the Spirit, without the power, without the presence. And Father, I just pray a release, a release of that. And Father, we all know there might be some here who've been hurt, who've been abused by past experiences of that. Lord, I pray for a covering over that. A covering over that. A release from that. Lord, let none of that keep hold anybody back. Release and heal. Thank you for listening to this message. To hear other messages or learn more about Crossroads Church, visit our website at ccaspen.com.